When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What's up, everybody? Welcome in to this week's episode of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast. Uh, obviously, me and Ryan, we're off this week. We're not doing any uh, big-time shows, but this is uh, a big-time show all in its own here. It's the off-season annual cap spectacular with our good friend Mike Gennetti from SpotTrack.com. Mike, uh, we're so thankful for you taking your time. I know you do a lot of these uh, every year. Uh, but it's our first deep dive into the cap uh, once the season ends, and uh, we're, we're grateful. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Good to be back. It's uh, a busy time of year for sure, but the uh, the Bills are one of the uh, the hot button teams, so it's uh, it's a good place to start, quite frankly. Yes, um, there's so much to get into, yeah. and it's a it's a model that has been trending to to this year for a couple years now, right? I mean, they they give the extension to Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs. Uh, they go big game hunting and, and bringing in Von Miller uh, a couple of off seasons ago. And now you're sitting here looking at potentially around between 40 and 50 million uh, over the cap, uh, depending mm-hmm. on what that number ends up being. And, you know, one of the interesting things, the exercises that I like to do is kind of take a look at the teams that the bills are, you know, chasing and how they compare. And that's where I want to start because the chiefs, you look at their cap situation, uh, and it's it's pretty good going into next year. I, I went through all of their uh, cap hits for 2024, and I think it's nine that are four million or more. Obviously, you know, 57 million right now for Patrick Mahomes uh, over on SpotTrack.com, and then for the Bills, it's 18. So there's yeah. a lot more money tied up um, in some of those bigger, higher end contracts. When you look at those two teams, how did we get to this point for those two squads? Yeah, it's a little it's a little jaded. So I'll, I'll I'll calm things down a little bit, right? The Bills have fifty four players under contract, uh, which is actually a pretty high number for where we are in the offseason compared to all thirty two teams. So they're 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 sort of running it back right now. They haven't made any kind of uh, you, you know big time moves or chops just yet. It's coming, but the Chiefs are only at forty two. So this was a situation where a lot of their contracts came off the books. Um, they're they're similar otherwise right they both got a bunch of voided dead cap coming very little actual dead cap on the books but it's really just about players on the roster now there's some roster construction differences as well right the bills have really run this back now for about four straight seasons you know you mentioned von miller and some of those acquisitions that have added to it but for the most part this has been a core unit that has just gotten more and more expensive the 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 chiefs have done a lot of band-aid ripping off here right they've done a lot of tyreek hills and tyron matthews and things like that that have afforded them the opportunity to bring in third round picks. And for whatever reason, those guys are hidden, right? They're hidden as full-time starters, as all pros, et cetera. So 
there's some luck involved with that for sure. But two situations where the Chiefs maybe were here two years ago in this exact situation and kind of cleaned themselves out of it and stayed relevant. That's sort of the process now for Buffalo is how much do we keep this core together? How much do we want to actually bring this back in 2024? And what can we do to also clean out some financials so that for the next three seasons, we're not sitting here with minus 50 next to our, our name in March. We're going to get into some of those names uh, potentially uh, where the bills can move in a different direction. Even guys that are under contract in a little bit, but let's go next to Von Miller because to me, he's the most interesting and for a lot of bills fans, annoying part of this offseason because for better or for worse you know there was some good stuff in his first season has the acl never really the same in 14 games I, he didn't have a single sack and now you look into this offseason and he is on the books for uh, a, a huge cap hit i think it's the third highest on the bills in 2024 yeah. you laid out a a really interesting scenario uh something that you've only suggested i think you mentioned on your podcast once in your 16 years of doing contracts what is there a potential for an out? Because that's one of the things Bills fans are, are looking at is like, all right, how do you get off of this player and this contract and, and, and start to kind of maybe hand this over to some younger players? Yeah, it's a mess. I could spend an hour on this one, unfortunately, because there's six or seven options. None of them are great. Let's put it that way, right? Um, and, and maybe the best one is to do nothing and just see if this guy gets suspended, which actually helps you a ton financially. But I'm, I'm not going to root for that, right? That's not something I want to go down. So... Um, I think what you're referring to is the is the option where I basically said this guy's got almost 11 million guaranteed this year. Let's just pay it to him. Let's pay it to him in a signing bonus right now. Use that signing bonus for cap purposes over five years and then then process that post six one designation. So where he's off your roster, he can go and sign elsewhere. But for the most part, you have to essentially go go forward with this cap hit until June and then take on two massive hits this year and next year. It saves you some cap this year. What it also does, it gets you out of that the rest of the 2024 compensation, which I think everybody knows we have to do. The Bills have to do at this point. doesn't seem like there's a path forward with this. Um, but to me, he's going to make this $11 million no matter what unless he's suspended. So let's give it to him. Let's use the cap in our favor, spread it out a little bit from a proration standpoint. And then on June 2nd, we'll take the savings and use it to pay off our draft class. It's one way to go with this, right? The other one is this, and, and this is another option I thought of after I posted my podcast discussing this kind of in detail. We, we convert the signing bonus, all right, and we kind of restructure this whole thing. So I, I guess what I'm thinking is more, more kind of like a Joe Mixon type restructure. If you remember how that went down last year, the, the difference is they really wanted to keep Joe Mixon, right? right? I'm not sure that the Bills want Von Miller on this roster next year. I'm not in that locker room. I don't know what kind of impact he has. But if you can just basically cut this contract off right now, then now that dead cap's still going to be there and restructure this thing sort of on the fly so that it doesn't impact your cap immediately. You can drop his base salary down to the minimum this year. You're going to drop his non-guaranteed salary next year. You're going to make that $11 million a signing bonus. He's going to play out on like a $9 million cap hit this year. All right. He's going to be part of your team in 2024 with tons of incentives, with sacks and playoffs to get back to the, the total 18 million he's due or whatever. And then next year, now you're set up to post June six, post June 1st him with a minimum salary, a lot of dead cap, but you can make it work from March to June and, and let things ride out. The Philadelphia Eagles do this with six contracts every offseason. They really do. They want to mm -hmm. keep a guy for one more year. Jason Kelsey's done this three straight offseasons, right? They want to All keep right. the guy. 
They don't want to have the impact right now because they're they're razor thin with their margins and they'll deal with it in a post six one manner next year. So if he'll agree to something like that, and I think he has to, right? Everybody knows the elephant in the room right now, unfortunately. That may actually be the best approach is to work with him to understand that we're going to give you your money back with incentives if you if you have an eight, nine sack season like you did for us two years ago. And if not, we're going to save a little bit for ourselves and we're going to make it work from a cap standpoint so we can keep this contention window open. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, they've stood by him during um, what, you know, some teams might have looked to distance themselves from a player. I mean, there was no time off even. I mean, he was arrested on a Thursday and he was back in the in the building, uh, you know, less than a week later. And and so, you know, Brandon Bean came out, Sean McDermott came out, both kind of stood behind him. So, I mean. To your point, if they, they go and have this conversation with them and like, we need to do this, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, quarterbacks, right? Like that want to like put the best team around them. Like if you want to run it back one more year and and, and in that scenario and in that second scenario, he's on the roster in 2024, right? He is. And it's not crazy, right? You're, you're probably losing AJ Epineza. You're probably losing Leonard Floyd. This is not going to be a flush system on your edge, right? So, uh, He's necessary if he's healthy. He's not not going to be the Von Miller that you paid. That's for darn sure. But I actually think that's probably where things are headed here is some sort of handshake agreement that we're going to make this work. We'll build in a bunch of incentives, but we're going to have to carry your contract through June next year. And we need to make that work for us because we're not slamming this door shut after 2024. Mm-hmm. And then last thing on Miller. So if they take that first option that you laid out originally yeah. and he's off the roster and the real you know, brunt of the hit starts in 2025. Who are some players that you've looked at in 2025 that are coming off that can help maybe, you know, obviously the cap's going to balloon over the next two years you anticipate, but is there any contracts coming off that you're like, okay, you're, you're in a better place because of that. Not really. Right. I mean, I think you're re up and Mitch Morris and Taron Johnson. Those are the big names here. It's not, it's not a situation where every year you're going to be in this mess. Now, Greg Rousseau is going to be on his fifth year option at that point in time. Is he going to need a contract extension? So maybe that's a, that's a one hand feeds the other type situation. But for the most part, I think they're going to do most of their damage this year, Matt. I think this is going to be a, an ugly year for certain situations that will make 2025 work for them in their favor. Not unlike the, the chiefs conversation we just had. Right. The Chiefs had to go through maybe two straight off seasons that they didn't like. They were uncomfortable. They made moves that they knew the fan base were going to not not be happy about. And now they're here. And uh, and, I, and I think that's the model. Unfortunately, you don't, you don't, want, you don't want to ever you know, raise the Chiefs up if you're talking Buffalo Bills here. But that's probably the model that they need to follow, follow here to keep themselves relevant, because I've seen a lot of situations where good teams get here screw it up and really it takes a decade to get back here so you really need to play this one close to the vest and understand that you have the quarterback and it's really just a matter of tweaking some things here and there and unfortunately you're going to make mistakes and and i think this von miller contract was a mistake it was a mistake with the size of the contract the amount of guaranteed money you put into that contract when you talk about free agent edge rushers there's too many examples of Jadavian Clowney's getting one for sevens now well right i mean to go six for 120 on a 32 year old player who has had some off the field issues, right? And suspensions. I just think that was a mess immediately out of the gate. And unfortunately now they're going to have to pay for it. And it, and it may be some roster spots this off season that have to go by the wayside just to make this Miller contract stick. So let's take Miller out of the equation here for a second. You did a great job uh, right after the bill season ended, you posted a story with some cap clearing possibilities. I'm going to post a link to that in the description of this episode. You know, a lot of moves, the Josh Allen, 
uh, move that'll probably happen every year, right? Like, I, I mean, yeah. that, that, that's kind of like some easy money. You laid out um, a bunch of moves. I'll have people go and read the story to see what they are. But um, with all the 11 moves, the nine of them that you laid out was about 50 million in, in cap space that they create. Then you had a Deion Dawkins uh, extension and a Taron Johnson extension. Can you lay out when, if those two are done, mm -hmm. how much potential cap space do you feel like estimation that's going to create just in those two moves? Yeah, maybe maybe about ten more is all. You know, they're they're not exactly sitting on on a ton of cap right now. So to sort of trim down with a signing bonus really won't do that much damage. But you know, that's your draft class right there. Right. So if, if you're looking at it that way, uh, you get two good players under contract guarantee for at least two to three more seasons, two important players, and uh, you're able to able to afford your draft class from a cap standpoint. So it just seems necessary to me. The one that's that you might, might want to mention here is Dawson Knox. That's a maybe, right? I, I mean, I don't know where you do what you do with. You mentioned high cap hits and and high average salaries right now on these contending teams. There's not many that have a a, a second tight end as one of those players right now. So you know, do you want to convert some salary there? Do you want to kind of ride that out and understand that 2025 may be a cutoff year for that contract? But you know, you can probably get yourself with just cap conversions and a couple of savvy extensions at about 10 to 12 million of cap space, starting from minus 51, which is where we have them right now. Mm -hmm. One name that wasn't there that I, I know I, I didn't, uh, when we were talking pre-show, uh, I didn't send this along, but Jordan Poyer, uh, I think if they were to move on this off season, they can create roughly about 5 million in cap space. You didn't have him in your article and I'm actually not advocating for them to move on. I think he actually found a really nice role as this box safety uh, in their dime package this season that can maybe even extend his career a little bit. And if you're thinking they're going to move on from Micah Hyde, they probably want to keep some of that veteran leadership in their, on their back end. Um, any reason you didn't include him? Is that, is that kind of along the thinking? That's the, that's verbatim. What I was about to say is I just okay. think there's going to be so much carnage in that position group this off season right. that you have to at least keep somebody in the room, not to say that he's the adult in the room so much, but certainly <laughs> experience experience with this defense. And, uh, you know, especially now that, you know, your defensive coordinator is somebody in house internally, that's going to keep the system essentially at least looking like it did last year. You want somebody uh, at the back end of that defense who knows what the heck is going on to at least bring in, uh, you know, what What I think is going to be an excessive amount of change, right? Tredavious White, Dane Jackson, Cam Lewis, maybe DeMar Hamlin, maybe Micah Hyde. It's just an endless amount of names that could have turnover here in the next couple of months. And then um, Taylor Rapp, um, uh, he signed what I thought was an under the market Two. deal for him last year, right? So like to get him back, the Bills might have to spend here, correct? Yeah, how about a couple of Rams players that are giving us trouble now, right? Taylor Rapp and David Edwards, both. I don't even know how to value these guys because I thought they were great players leaving the Rams and they just were, were flat out cap casualties. And then he came to Buffalo on basically minimum contracts. So, right. uh, yeah, you have to pay up, not only for what they can do for you next year, but probably what they just did for you in 2023. And there's a lot of that that happens, right? So there's going to be incentives built into this thing. The problem with a player like... Like so, Taylor Rapp, I think, has a role here, and maybe his role is Jordan Poyer's. So, if you want to free up Jordan Poyer's contract and bring back Rapp, that's probably a one-to-one -one relationship right there in terms of the money, right? So, at least for one year. David Edwards, if you want to go there quickly, there's a Connor McGovern sitting ahead of him with almost eight million per year, non-guaranteed. Right. So, if he's the one A one B in that left guard position, eight million is the number. I don't think he's an eight million dollar guard, but 
that's essentially what Buffalo has has backed themselves into here. So a couple of former Rams that I think are want to be back in this role in 2024 that probably triple their compensation at least just to come back here for one more season. And Edwards' value, I feel like, was just in the sense that the Bills didn't lose an offensive lineman all season. The only snap they missed was McGovern, I think, once in the Pittsburgh game. Um, And he would have come into the game in in that scenario. But I also think for Edwards, who came off of the, you know, the concussion history with the Rams, this was like a blessing in disguise to have a season like this to kind of reset. Uh, I wonder if he gives the Bills kind of another one year deal, because I think he probably wants to get into this system with Cromer in his second year and actually show what he can do. I don't know if he's necessarily going to beat anybody out, but I bet you probably bet on. All right, guys are not going to be this healthy again next year. No question. And he's valuable and he knows the system and you're right. He's comfortable and he's coming out of a situation that he probably didn't want to be in. So uh, I look at a player like Nick Gates, uh, who was a solid player for the Giants. He went three for about 16 with the Washington Commanders, about five and a half a year and maybe two, you know, a year and a half of that's fully guaranteed. Why not? Right. I mean, you don't want to screw with Josh Allen's offensive line. It was one of the most stable, consistent, solid lines in all of football last year. I wouldn't do too much with this. And that includes bringing back McGovern, by the way because the dead cap versus the actual cap here just doesn't make sense to move on from. So I'm bringing back everybody. And if it means, like I said, about triple the compensation for a player like Edwards, let's just do it. All right. Next is, is something interesting because I am under the assumption that Stefan Diggs is unmovable in 2024, mm-hmm. looking at the, the cap numbers. I guess nobody's ever unmovable. We talked a little bit about him even trending towards the end of the season. And then I read uh, Peter King's story this week, and, and this is a directly from his story. What to do with Stefan Diggs? He's 30. He's due a cap number of 27.9 million next year, which for a player who didn't have a 100 yard receiving day in the bill's last 13 games is quite excessive. I expect the bills to want to do major surgery on Diggs's deal. And I expect Diggs to not be happy about it. What kind of surgery is even possible here? um it's wishful thinking right it's it's peter king reading the room you know reading the temperature of things in buffalo and understanding that there's a coach probably on the hot seat there's a star wide receiver for sure on the hot seat there's an edge rusher on the hot seat right there's there's a lot going on here there's no question about that and Diggs is polarizing uh is stefan Diggs going to take a haircut from his 18 and a half million dollar salary all of which fully guarantees march 17th no (laughs) he's just not right right? i mean this is year three of an extension that buffalo got themselves into they didn't have to do that right they didn't have to extend this player this could have been a free agent season for for stefan Diggs right now if things had just ridden out properly on his previous contract so this was a this was how things were going to operate i thought the contract was fair when they signed it and this was part of those practical guarantees this leads you up to the 70 million practically guaranteed so this is not a situation where they have to flex the contract. If anything, they just have to flex the offensive system. And they know that. They know how this is going to work, right? And it's about bringing in a stable WR2 to go with Stefan Diggs so that the two in combined can have more open targets and separate themselves a little bit. But he definitely had his issues. He definitely had some injury history. But if you're telling me he's going to do anything with that $18.5 million salary this year, it's not happening, in my opinion. It's, he's, he's not the right guy to address for a pay cut. There's plenty of other players on this roster you can do that for. In 2024, Stefan Diggs is not that player. Um, subsequently, I'm not touching it if I'm Buffalo, if I'm Brandon Bean. I'm not doing any kind of cap conversion. Right. I'm not moving it. I realize 27.9 is a lot. And if you know, just look at last year, I think Amari Cooper was at about 24. And that was the highest wide receiver cap hit in all of football. 
And the Cleveland Browns don't have an inexpensive quarterback. Let's put it that way, right? So mm-hmm. they, they they made it work. They made cap. They found cap in other elements of their roster. That's what has to happen here. Is you you don't even address this because the second you walk into that situation, if you're Brandon Bean in that front office, man, are you ruffling feathers with a guy you don't want to ruffle, right? I mean, we've been down that path before. So I'm riding this out. I'm not touching the cap hit because I don't want to damage any opportunity I may have to move on in 2025, which is already over 22 million at dead cap with digs. So right. I don't want to do too much here at all, but I, I also don't want to follow Peter King's advice and, and make things ugly with Stefan Diggs in March. Exactly. And I was just, that was kind of going to be my follow-up there. Like this is really, it's not really super tenable to move on even in 2025. No. I mean, if you reach a scenario with the player that, you know, getting him out of the locker room is, is what you're trying to accomplish, which I still don't think that they're at that place. I think there's a world you live in in 2024 where there's new life breathing in, into his game. If you yeah. co- come in and find a, a legitimate sidekick that could take a lot of the pressure. I look at a guy like Jordan Addison, who I think, you know, we never really got to see what that fully looks like with Justin Jefferson because uh, he missed so much of the season. But I, I think that's an exciting combo for, for 2024. Yeah. How can you improve the entire position group? And Joe Brady gets an entire offseason now to actually write some things up that will actually utilize Stefan Diggs with whatever he has left. Right. 32, 30, 31 going on 32. It's not nothing. Right. I mean, there's going to be decline there for sure. But this was a deficient wide receiver group. There's no question about it. Gabe Davis injuries, deficiencies, drops, you know, wrong routes, whatever happened this, this past season impacted Stefan Diggs. There's, there's no way not to say that out loud. So, yeah. The, fi- the contract says he stays, and I think the Buffalo's need for this kind of a receiver with Josh Allen in 2024 says he stays as well. Uh, the big game is coming up, and Tops Friendly Markets has you hooked up. Enhance your playoff weekend by creating recipes inspired by the distinct flavors of the playoff team cities. I know that's not a huge fan favorite for the Bills fans right now, but the expert butchers over at Tops have curated their recommend, recommended game day recipes over at topsmarkets.com slash foodball. Head over there and check it out. All right, next I want to go to the Trey White situation. Because he is one of those moves that you have laid out here uh, so nicely over at SpotTrack.com uh, as a move that the you know the Bills just have to make, like moving on from a player with you know two major injuries over the course of the last three seasons. Uh, you can gain about uh, five or six million dollars in cap space by moving on. Uh, what's the thinking there? Unfortunately, it's a no-brainer. I know what this player has meant to this organization, but we're just at the point of no return from a, a full rehab standpoint. And, and even if it does happen, even if he is able to resurrect his career, it can't be under this contract. You want to say we're going to bring him back on a on a one-year rehab contract, right? A, a one-year $5 million contract where he has tons of incentives. I'm all for it because I, I think the, the player fits the system. There's no question about that. But you have to get out of this contract now. The contract was always drawn at this point. The line was already drawn to get out of this contract now anyway. So the injury to me was just a nail in the coffin, unfortunately. But uh, it's a no-brainer from a business standpoint. Uh, but moving on completely, you don't have to. You certainly don't have to. We've seen organizations do this over and over again. Tyron Smith just did this in, in Dallas. And look what happened to him. He might make $12 million a year again now as a 33-year-old left tackle. So it's possible that he can get all the way back. I'm not saying he can't. He just shouldn't do it inside of this contract. That's all. Yeah, and there's like there's a lot of talk with, amongst Bills fans. Like it, it's the, it's the almost like easiest like segue. Like put him at safety, 
The problem with that, just from a financial perspective, is he is all of a sudden then a very dramatically overpaid safety. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Especially for the age he's at, for the, whatever transition he's going to have to make. Yeah, he's not he's not polished enough to make that kind of money. There's just, Everything about this contract says no right now to me. So to me, it's a... It, it's a business goggles on. It's not a fan or a, any part of me, you know, saying this, this should happen because you can't afford to have a third injury. It's simply just the contract already said, get out. So just get out and start over and whatever you're going to do with him positionally or let him walk in free agency is for another time. But especially for March 13th and all the cap decisions that Buffalo has to make here, this is a no brainer. Just get the 6 million on your books, uh, use it elsewhere for now, and then have discussions with him about what's going to happen going forward. The Gabe Davis conversation is one of the most interesting ones uh, that I think can be had this offseason because there's two different views. There's the the view from the outside, how polarizing he's been, the up and down nature to his game, and then how I feel like they think of him in the building. I mean, Sean McDermott loves Gabe Davis. I mean, mm -hmm. they made him a captain. They made him a captain this year. Um, he's a guy that does some of the unselfish stuff that you're not going to get paid for. And, and I think in a lot of ways, like almost penalizes him uh, as he kind of hits free agency. You mentioned on your show, uh, you consider him a third tier wide receiver. What goes into that? You know, when you, when you're kind of coming up with his valuation. Yeah. So that's just straight money, right? I'm not, that's not, has nothing to do with the, his production on the field or, or where he may rank in terms of like a, a wide receiver ranking. It's simply where I believe he belongs financially. And if we're talking 32 million is tier one, because that's where I think Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and, and those kind of players are going this offseason. You know, 25 million is now tier two. Well, Gabe Davis is nowhere near that for me. Um, if, if anything, Michael Gallup's 11 and a half million, that contract a couple of years ago, that's kind of where Gabe lives. And if we cap mm. adjust that, it's 13 and a half, it's 14 million, right? Which, which if you talk about, we're, we're, we're more than half of what the actual top receivers in football are now making. If you believe that's fair value, and, and that, I'll tell you, that's what our math says is fair value for Gabriel Davis right now. So um, tier three may be generous right? <laughs> when it's all said and done. Now, I, I think you're right. I think there's different conceptions about what this player is and what this player could be. Number one, he's only 24. That's a big advantage for him heading into free agency here. That's at least one year younger than most of the wide receivers about to hit the open market here at, at his stage. So is there, a, is there a world where he's the next Christian Kirk? He's been this hidden WR2 for all these years. He just needs a bigger role, maybe a different scheme, and he's going to blow up into this deep threat and this huge player, even if that's what he is, this transitional WR2 to WR1. You're talking about 20 to 21 million per year. So what, four for 84, 44 million guaranteed? That's never happening in Buffalo, right? That's never going to be the contract offered here in Buffalo. But would the Bears go and do that? Maybe. You know, would the Carolina Panthers go and do that? Maybe. So there's a chance March 13th and 14th that that's the contract we hear Gabriel Davis signed. But I'm here to tell you that if if I'm sitting in Brandon Bean's chair right now, I'm not going north of 15. That to me is the absolute max ceiling for, for Gabriel Davis. Well, I was heading into this not saying that I probably wouldn't go over 10, but yeah. obviously the market dictates things. And I wonder if he doesn't get to the market and maybe not have the kind of, you know, success or, you yeah. know, people that are interested that maybe he comes back and talks to Buffalo. What's the Browns cap situation? Is it, is it pretty brutal or similar to Buffalo where there, there's actually plenty of room right now, but they have to make a lot of decisions. They don't have a lot of players rostered right now. So there's a, there's a situation where they're going to have to move some things around. They're about minus 20. Okay. Um, you know, but they're going to need a new contract for Cooper. Watson's carrying 64 million to that right now. So unbelievably jaded, right? Cause that's going to drop to about, 29 30 with his cap conversion 
Um, so better than Buffalo uh, by a little bit here, but similar in that there's a lot of big time average salary contracts, a lot of guaranteed contracts that they just have to do some work on and uh, get themselves cap compliant over the next couple of weeks. That could be one of those teams that views Davis differently because of yeah. Dorsey. And he was so beloved Dorsey was by Davis. Like I remember when you lined all of them up after Dorsey got let go, I mean, Davis was, he was arguably even more emotional about it than, than Allen. So somebody that he kind of connected with and, you know, you might think like, Maybe if you don't want to give Amari top of the top of the um, food chain there, like maybe Gabe Davis at around 18, 17 million at 24 years old, that could be something interesting to consider. Um, yeah. uh, so this is another, uh, an actual, a fan generated question. Um, as we look at the potential free agents um, and the different tiers and everything like that, who are some cap cut candidates from hmm. other teams that you think might maybe fall into the David Edwards, Leonard Floyd category. Cause that's kind of going to be where they're shopping. Yeah, I got a lot. I did a, an initial article on this about a month ago. Now I usually do it early December as I'm kind of reading the tea leaves here. You know, there's, there's some quarterbacks, obviously that's not a need here in Buffalo, but uh, <laughs> if we stick with just the wide receivers, we've already heard Denver's ready to pillage their wide receiver group, right? In terms of Cortland Sutton, Jerry, Judy, so those names and Tim Patrick's in that group as well, of course, those names immediately jump to the top of the list. You've got the oft injured Mike Williams out in the Chargers. He's in this list. So is Keenan Allen because of age and, and kind of a similar Stefan Diggs type scenario. Um, and then it gets pretty ugly, right? Then it gets into the Darius Slaytons, the Russell Gages, the Hunter Renfos, players who have just completely fallen out of favor with their current offenses. Hunter Renfro, uh, I think, is going to be one of the first candidates available. He's going to be on people's lists, even though Shakir appears to have that role locked in here. Uh, and then Gallup, player I just mentioned, who's number three on that Dallas uh, offense right now. He's getting absolutely no run. Feels like a Gabe Davis compliment, right? So if you wanted to run that back with maybe a, a, a much, much cheaper situation, because he's made his money now, you can, you can bring him in on a showcase contract. Um, but I'll give you two other names, uh, both on the same team, and both who I think could be walking themselves into at least a trade conversation, if not this offseason, at the deadline. Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. Uh, where is the Steelers offense going? Who is the quarterback going to be? They just brought in a new offensive coordinator. Both those guys seems like they, seem like they hate life right now. And uh, Johnson is, is entering a contract year. He's got like a $16 million cap. It'd be 10 if you acquired him. Uh, somebody may be, may be out there feeling out a trade for Deontay Johnson. And George Pickens is going to need maybe a $25 million per year contract after 2024. And why would Pittsburgh do that if they have no quarterback and, and expiring contracts across their roster? So if those two guys are up for grabs this offseason, Buffalo's the kind of team that should be dialing in on those two guys because they can help you for one year, and then you can either make a decision or let them walk away at that point. Um, thank you so much for all this today. I want to close up with, you know, two names that I think are interesting because they're, they're super valuable depth guys and both were thrust into very important starting roles and, you know, Tyrell Dotson shine. I mean, so much so that your valuation on him is 4.8 million AAV on a potential three year, $15 million deal this off season. How likely is he to get that? Um, I know he's probably going to be chasing uh, the money, even though Babbage is now the defensive coordinator and he came out, uh, obviously let his feelings be known about that uh, this week. Uh, what do you see the market being for both of these guys? Yeah, Dodson certainly showed his value, right? I mean, he's coming from basically nowhere, jumped into a situation that he wasn't even prepared for and really thrived in it. 
So, you know, if he doubles that, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm really not. If he if he jumps into like a TJ Edwards type contract, a one for eight type situation that somebody wants to take a flyer and see if he's a long term fit first. I get it. I really do get it. Uh, the off ball linebacker had a had a couple of devaluation years. It's really storming back. You're going to see Patrick Queen get 20 million a year. You're going to see a bunch of players really overshoot their shot here. Uh, and certainly Dodson's in that conversation. And so, I'm sorry, did you mention Daquan as well? Uh, Daquan, yes. Yeah, I, I know he's up there in age. I know he had a big injury in 2023, unfortunately. He's still a $7 million player. So you want to bring him back on a one for five with a bunch of sack incentives or, or hurry incentives. I'm all for that. He's going nowhere in terms of his valuation because that's just a player that continues to do it at a high level, even if he's not a complete defensive tackle. You know, he's not your Chris Jones type player for sure. I don't think he's lost a step in terms of what he's worth on the open market right now. Mm -hmm. And then the other one was Dane Jackson. Tough, right? We've seen the Levi Wallace's of the world go down to like four or five million a year when I believe they should be worth nine, 10 million a year. So I don't know where he falls in that category right now. He's probably not highly valued or highly coveted on the open market. That's an example of a guy looking to double his compensation, finding out it's only about one, 2 million more and saying, Hey, the bills need guys right now. I can come back on maybe a slight pay raise in 2024 for a two-year contract. And it's Jordan Poyer all over again. So I have a feeling that's what's going to happen with Dane Jackson. And I think the Buffalo would welcome him back. Awesome stuff, man. Uh, we're so much smarter every time we get a chance to catch up with you. Let everybody know what you got coming up, where they could find everything and anything you want to plug here. Yeah, you mentioned the off-season stuff that I have with cap casualties and things like that. We have an entire off-season series with every single team broken down by division live on spotrat.com. Um, I'm going to start doing some more positional group stuff. So if you're if you're wondering how the quarterback stuff shakes out and how the left tackle stuff shakes out, I'm going to get super nerdy on every single position group over the next couple of weeks here. And then trade candidates and extension candidates, all that fun stuff, because March 13th is right around the corner, and I don't have enough hours in the day, but plenty of podcasts, plenty of articles live on SpotTrack uh, pretty much every day at this point. Awesome stuff. And uh, for everybody listening, watching, thank you so much. Become a Shout Buffalo Bills insider today by texting 716-528-6727. Uh, Two-week free trial, $3.99 a month after that. And the text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Letro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call, 716-852-1234, or check out LitroLaw.com. Mike Gennetti, SpotTrack.com. Make sure you follow him, find, find all of his content. Thanks so much, buddy. Thanks, Matt.